0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with Nick Sigelski, who is my co-host. And we today, we have the one and only Kayla Citrin Thaler, and she lifts some serious freaking weights. I think her one rep max beats mine, and it definitely beats Nick's. So Nick, why should people listen? She blows us
1: out of the water when it comes to the weight room. And she also blows us out of the water with the number of meetings that she's booking with enterprise-level technical buyers using video on LinkedIn.
0: Three, two, one, pump you up. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 minute masterclass. And you can steal it too in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect Any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes, your zoom info, actionable insight tactic is called Jane's moving up.
1: to steal them. All right, Kayla, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three.
2: So the first is video. Make sure that you're using video because it's a scalable way to get above the noise. Make sure that you are changing the title of the video so it doesn't just say, hey, thrift video. It's actually their name. Look at their profile during the video. Have your head in a bubble and make sure it's no longer than 60 seconds unless what you're saying is the most engaging thing they've ever heard.
1: Nice. What's number two?
2: Do your research before you do your video. So take the time to look at their LinkedIn, see what they care about. Look on a Google search of talks that they've done, articles they've written, books they've written. Even look at their Instagram and see if they care about ice cream, if you can tie that into your value prop.
1: Very cool. What's number three, Kayla?
2: So make sure that your LinkedIn is engaging, that when prospects come onto your profile, you're someone that they want to engage with. So start posting once a week about what your prospects care about and really start engaging with their content, liking their content, commenting on their content, and really become relatable to your prospects.
0: What's inside of a 15 second video? Because like I, I can barely say hello and introduce myself in that time.
2: So I would keep it more than 15 seconds, but less than 60. Usually if they've connected with you on LinkedIn, I'd say, Hey, Armand, thanks so much for connecting. The reason for my video is blank. So the reason could be because you're in sales and I could say, Hey, Armand, the reason for my video is I notice you're in sales. And I noticed that and I'm just making this up, that you played on soccer teams. And something that's really important for soccer teams is to work together well, which is exactly what's important for data science teams is to collaborate well together. So essentially we've helped the teams at Bristol Myers Squibb and Eli Lilly to centralize their data science work, get models into production quicker. Would this be worthwhile to have a conversation?
0: There you go. And so you're leading with the problem, right? You're not leading with all the features and nonsense and logos and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. I would say another tip is don't lead with features. No one cares about features. They want their pain to be solved. So understand what your prospect cares about. Understand on a day-to-day, what does their day-to-day look like? Do a Google search, interview people, ask if you can talk to people. If they say, no, I won't take a meeting, say, hey, can I get 15 minutes on your calendar to understand what your day-to-day looks like so I can personally grow? And through my experience, people are always open. I actually had a CIO at Caterpillar and I said, hey, can I have some time on your calendar? He said, I'm actually in a different position now. And I said, can I have 15 minutes on your calendar? I'm not gonna talk about Domino. What I'm gonna ask is how I can better myself, how I can understand what your persona cares about and how I can really understand what's going on in your company.
0: And so you're immersing yourself in the space, you're leading with the problems, way too many people lead with their features and you're not doing any of that stuff. When you first start the video, you you talked about looking at their profile. What are you doing there? Are you like zooming into their LinkedIn? Like what happens at the beginning?
2: So make sure that when you're recording, it's on their LinkedIn profile. So I would not recommend using a whiteboard. I would not recommend making it of you. What I would say is be looking at their profile. So on Drift, and I'm sure Vidyard has an option for this also, your head's in a little bubble at the bottom of the page. You are showing them that you can only send this video to them. You also are subconsciously creating familiarity because they know what their LinkedIn profile looks like.
1: So that's a feature on, and I've used this both on Vidyard and Drift, where when you're about to record a video, you have three options for how you can record it. It can either just be your face. It can be either just be your screen, or it can be your face in a bubble in the lower left, and you're look, and it actually shares the screen you're looking at. So you're going through their LinkedIn profile while you record one of these videos. My question for you is, are you scrolling through their profile? Are you clicking on anything? What does that part look like?
2: So I'm actually keeping it static. And I used to scroll, but because I'm moving in my little bubble, it can be very distracting to the person watching the video. And so really where the engagement should be coming is from you, what you're saying. And so I would say don't scroll because it's just too distracting. Don't move your hands in the video. I used to do that. Make sure you're not moving your hands. That's especially distracting. Make sure that just what you're saying is engaging. And also remember to be human. So if you mess up, that's okay. It's that human aspect and they know that you're not a robot. So I'll mess up and I'll say, I'm so sorry it's Monday or some piece of creating that authenticity and that really showing that I'm just another human. And so you relate to them on a human level. And that's why I think a lot of times email doesn't land for me because I'm just another email in their inbox. But when I send them a video, they feel like they kind of owe me something because I've put in the effort and they can say, you know what? I'll meet you halfway. And for those of you who are reaching out to a really technical audience or a persona that you think is the most challenging persona to get into at the end of the day, we're all people. And so it's, how can we relate to other people? And I'm reaching out to IT leaders, CIOs, data science leaders. So there's no excuse to say my persona won't do well with this outreach and Just make sure that you're creating that human aspect and that human connection.
1: So Kayla, one of the things that I know you're a big proponent of is personalization in the videos. And I'm curious if you're doing anything beyond just looking at their profile. Are there common ways to personalize? Like you mentioned the sport. I know people will often use the university that somebody went to. So when you're skimming someone's profile, you're looking them up for the first time. What are things that you're commonly hooking onto to personalize that video?
2: So I would say I'm looking for pieces that aren't necessarily work related. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a Google search and maybe I find their Instagram and there's something, there's actually a video I sent to someone and I saw his Twitter. I love Twitter, by the way, for looking at people. And I saw his Twitter. I saw he liked to ride motorcycles. I saw he had some kittens and birds, obviously play it to how you think the prospect will react But I love non-work-related pieces and being able to creatively tie that in. But also I would say if you see that someone says, hey, I manage a team of 25 data scientists, I'm latching onto that. In general, I'll have the same-ish pitch for the same persona, but I'll tweak it to either some research I've done, a talk they've done, some article on YouTube. You can even open the transcript on a video and you can search for specific words. So you don't have to actually listen to a whole hour long talk. You can just skim or you can search, for example, data science and find any anytime they mention data science. So I would say being able to skim and easily do pieces but also making sure that you set time blocks on your calendar to say, I'm only gonna spend three minutes on this person. If all else fails, I can search for a company. I can search for an annual report. And if all else fails, I'll just send them a video, call their name out, say, I assume or generally when I talk to other data science leaders, this is what I hear. If you're struggling with problem A or problem B, would it make sense to have a conversation?
1: So Kayla, one other thing I've heard you do in your videos is you rap to your prospects. <laughs> so I'm curious, can, can you give me a sense of what the heck that's all about?
0: A live rap would be great.
2: I don't even <laughs> Maybe know. Maybe not. <laughs> Sounded like. I think that's the piece of creativity. If you find something that's a nugget, so this prospect had done a presentation that was called "99 Problems," but Spark and Databricks ain't one. I had no other option. It was a wrap. That's all I could do for him, and that was the only way that I could get above the noise. And so. His reply, I think, was, Kayla, I don't usually reply to emails, but at least this deserves 15 minutes of my time because you put in the effort. So it's how do we put in the effort? And so often in sales, we're trying for that easy fix or that silver bullet, and it just does not exist. So on the piece of wrap, I saw this guy did a wrap. Or there was a, the SVP of AI at Royal Caribbean reports directly to the CEO He was quoted in an article that said, the head of a data scientist, heart of a poet. And I wrote him a poem, and it booked the meeting. So it's how do we find these pieces and look out for these pieces? Obviously, they are few and far between. But if we find those pieces, leverage that. And you can embarrass yourself. You can be the, I'm the worst rapper alive. So, but the effort that was put in is what mattered.
0: So you talked about time blocking this and making it efficient. And I find that very few people have been able to make video scale. So I want to get into some numbers here. So could you give us a a sense of on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, how many videos are you trying to send out so you can connect with prospects?
2: So I'm sending about 10 to 15 videos a day. Since I've been at Domino, which has been two quarters, I've sent around 800 videos. So it does take time, but the importance is setting those calendar blocks and not mixing up your activity. So you'll set an hour of research. You'll set an hour of creating videos. You'll set an hour of whatever activity. And I say, this runs throughout sales. Set time blocks on your calendar to do your activities. So whether it's cold calling, set an hour aside. Make sure that you set those time blocks. And maybe if you only can do a task for 20 minutes, set that and come back to it later but make sure that you're organized. And the most successful reps and SDRs that I've seen really are good about organization.
0: And if you you look at all the meetings you're getting from those 800 videos or those 10 to 15 per day, how many of your meetings are coming from video versus the standard channels, like your emails of the world and your phones of the world?
2: So I would say upwards of 85% are coming from video. And I think I've booked two meetings from video over email. And the rest are through video over LinkedIn with someone I'm connected with.
0: Really? So that's that's a really interesting distinction. So you're finding more success using your video, not embedded through Vidyard or Drift on email, but through LinkedIn native videos?
2: Yeah. So I think that's the piece of what I mentioned in the beginning is make sure that your LinkedIn profile is engaging. I have an engaging LinkedIn profile. I intentionally on my profile write that I like to lift. If someone comes to my profile and they like to lift, we have something in common. Or if they see one of my lifting videos and it's inspirational, no matter what industry they're in, it's still inspirational to them and they see the content. And there was actually someone who I booked a meeting with from Stanley Black and Decker. And he said something along the lines of, the way you combine sending video and getting on my newsfeed is genius. And so it's really about, just posting on LinkedIn about what you're passionate about. And no matter what industry someone is in, they will still be inspired if you actually are inspiring.
1: <laughs> well, what if you're not inspiring? What if you're like, well, I really like playing Grand Theft Auto and eating chicken wings. Am I supposed to film a video of that and put it on the feed? Like, I guess you could. Big, big, bigger question here is what sort of things would you encourage folks who don't really have any sort of professional social media presence to start putting out there. Because it's really tough to go from zero to 100. And I think there's often hesitation from individual contributors about like, what's my boss going to say when he sees this stuff on LinkedIn? Or she's going to see this stuff on LinkedIn?
2: So I think, let's say you play Grand Theft Auto and you're passionate about chicken wings, post about that, right? So see if you can tie some... I don't know much about Grand Theft Auto, but maybe some car journey that you went on and how that relates to sales or get creative with it. Or you can just, I know Morgan Ingram posts about his gaming stuff, right? So it's more important to post than to be afraid of what people are going to think. And I think that's something that you should always keep top of mind is just post on LinkedIn and start once a week. You don't have to post five days a week. You don't have to get a ton of engagement. But also, if you are in whatever market you're in, or let's say you're searching for a job, what I always say is post about what you know so that when that that job interviewer comes around and says, hey, well, do you actually know how to do this? Or what's your thought process around this? You can just say, hey, here's this LinkedIn post I wrote. Or they'll probably look at your LinkedIn anyways, and you'll build that trust before they even have to ask. So I would say if you have nothing to write or you think you have nothing to write, start doing research on your industry. Start researching interesting articles in your space or start when you're doing a research on prospects, create bookmarks of your articles that you're finding and tag your prospects in them and talk about what you found interesting in that article.
0: Well, I think what a lot of people screw up here is you're not talking about like, how much stuff can you post about IT that's like really eye catching? You're posting stuff about lifting weights, and it caught my eye. And I didn't even know if you were in sales or not. I post all this stuff about angry, ranting sales tactics, and that's sort of my shtick on LinkedIn. And I'll get people who are chief legal officers at other companies reaching out to our general counsel at Carta saying, Oh, I heard like you guys have this sales team. And so, Legal was not my target audience at all, but if I'm connected with my target buyers and they see me posting stuff, then they naturally have a perception of, hey, this person isn't a complete rando. Now, you don't want to post a bunch of stupid stuff, but you do want to do some stuff that stands out and makes you fundamentally different from everybody else. Yeah,
2: and I think a piece of that also is about building your network. So some people I've heard are afraid to connect with people for some reason, or they're very protective over their connections or who they're connecting with. And I would say just connect with people in your industry, whether you're trying to sell into them or not. Obviously, don't get locked out of LinkedIn jail, which happens to me on a weekly basis, (laughs) but (laughs) make sure that you are sending requests to people who are in the industry and you can look at their content and reshare it or whatever you want to do, but also rule of thumb, send blank connection requests. People know that they are going to be pitched. If you are sending a message in your original connection request, that is not hyper, hyper personalized. And those hyper, hyper personalized messages are not scalable. So you are doing a lot of research upfront and who knows if they'll ever even accept your LinkedIn request.
0: So can we talk about the, I want get, to get a sense of what your workflow looks like, because it sounds like 85% of your meetings are coming from video. So are you just literally like putting together a massive list and clicking connect, 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 and then the next day it's like video, 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 or like, are you mixing in other stuff or is that literally like your workflow entirely?
2: So I'm working through tasks, obviously I have to move through stuff, but because I'm in the enterprise space, my AEs create lists of people who they want meetings with they'll use lead IQ, put those people directly on the cadences that I have reassign those people to me and I just work with people. So I'll connect with them. If they connect within the first seven days, I'll throw them on a separate cadence, which is mainly LinkedIn heavy, which has a video first. Both of my cadences have a video first, but my LinkedIn is more video and GIF heavy, but basically I'll move people through. I like to do blocks though especially for my research. So I'll sit down and I'll see who's coming up. And I even have a step in my cadence that says do research. And so I'll do research. I'll put whatever links I find in the notes. I won't actually create the message then and there, but I'll be finding whatever information is important. And then I'll be completing the task. And in a few days, I'll call them. And then if they don't pick up or I don't connect with them, then I will send them a video on LinkedIn. Once they accept my connection request, I'm sending them the video right away. I think that you shouldn't send a message that says, thanks for connecting or anything that's not going to really hit them with a bang. And so I think it's okay to connect and pitch only if you're doing something different and something personalized in any other case saying, Hey, thanks for connecting. I do this. I do this. My company does this. No one cares. Let's be real. But if you put in the effort, someone will care.
1: So Kayla, one of the best practices I've heard related to engaging with a buyer on LinkedIn is to engage with the content that they're putting out there, whether you're commenting, liking, tagging, or sharing. And so I'm curious, how do you build that social engagement into your prospecting workflow? Because you can't predict when Armand is going to make an angry post about whether or not to leave a voicemail.
2: So I admit that I am not the best at it and I should get better at it, but I think it's the importance of creating some connection. And I do think there's a lot of value in liking people's content, engaging with people's content, but don't just like once and then go in for the pitch without being personalized. If you like it and you actually are engaged with that content, call it out. That's money for your video. So I need to do work there and that's a piece that I know I need to do, but you're finding content. And so when you see that article that pops up in your feed, great put that into your notes in sales loft or outreach and reference it later. And also you can, I mean, it's really about just engaging with them and reminding them you, that you exist. And it's the same with cold calling. I don't look at cold calling as a way that people are going to actually have conversations. I look at cold calling as a way that people are going to say, okay, I remember that I looked at my phone and there's this voice message and I see the transcript Kayla. Oh, she popped up on my LinkedIn message. Oh, okay. So I have booked a few meetings with the phone, but I think it's about just reminding people that you exist and then hitting them with something really impactful like a video.
0: So you talked about using outreach and sales loft notes and you're, you're doing a great job of time blocking your research. I've heard a lot of SDRs and AEs get lost and they have this massive spreadsheet account of accounts. And whenever they're making a cold call, they're control f'ing it and trying to figure out like, oh shoot, where's, where's this account in my research? And like, what's my opener supposed to be? So do you have any best practices on where you keep your research and how you keep it all organized?
2: So I keep my research in the notes section in Sales Loft. When I'm making a cold call, I am doing a script that's along the lines of, Hey, I'm wondering who's in charge of blank. So it's data science, or if I know on their profile, I'll be super hyper specific of who's in charge of commercial data science strategy for bioinformatics, or actually that doesn't make sense, but I would say something very specific to what they do. So it's probably, they're going to say, that's me. Um, But in terms of really the research, I won't call it out in a lot of other messaging. It's really that first video and then all tie-in pieces. I think You need to really, if you have a list of a million accounts and you aren't really organized, I would say let's change your strategy a bit to say, okay, who's our top person at each account who we wanna get in with? Let's focus on that and tier out your people. So maybe you have your top people who your messaging is hyper personalized to. Then you have your second tier, which is still you're speaking to their persona, but it's not really that personalized. But if they have the pain points that your product solved, then most likely they will connect with you and they will take a meeting.
1: Kayla, you mentioned cold calls a second ago. Can you kind of give us a sense? Cause I haven't heard people start the call with who's responsible for X. We've heard a lot of like the permission-based openers and then weaving uh, in context. And so I'm curious, like, what is it, what does your cold call look like? Can you give me a sense of the framework?
2: Yeah. So usually I'll say, Hey, actually I had a conversation with someone yesterday at T-Mobile and I said, Hey Mark, Kayla here from Domino, wondering who's in charge of data science strategy. And he said, oh, well, that's a really broad question. And then I'll be more specific about what our product does. And so I'm just curious who's in charge of getting models into production and what does that process look like? And so I'll try to open it with a conversation. At some point, usually people will feel comfortable enough that they'll give me those names. So he gave me this prospect I talked to, gave me two names. You'll ask if you can call out those names and say, hey, would it be okay if person A, if I told person A that you said it was okay for me to reach out? He said no, but then I just got two names of people who I know are the right people, and so I'll set up those meetings. So this is like the Justin Michael approach, and I think it works really well. It's less overwhelming for reps because you're not saying, hey, Do you do this? Or you're not directly asking them. And so it takes off the pressure, I think, for reps who are afraid to cold call. So I would say of all strategies, this is the best strategy I've heard for reps who are afraid of getting on the phone because it doesn't feel like you have that pressure, which is the same pressure that you feel when you're just trying to go in kind of blindsided, even with other scripts.
1: So the strategy you just described, you're calling the business and you're trying to get a sense of who the right person is to talk about the thing that you help with. And so the scenario you just described, you were referred to a different contact, but the person who referred you said, no, you can't say that I said to talk to them. So what does it look like then when you're reaching out to the right person? What do you say? Because you got to call, email, or video them somehow.
2: So rarely will I, I actually just re-picked up cold calling. So it's been like three or four weeks since I re-picked it up because I've been seeing such great results on LinkedIn, but I knew that I needed to practice cold calling again. So I just started picking up the phone. I haven't talked to anyone that says I'm the right person, but when they do say the right person, you say, great, how are you doing blank? So that's really your intro. And it's a very general question. Usually they're op- they'll open up. I did have a conversation last week with someone from Aetna. And I said, hey, who's in charge of data science strategy? Just general. And he said, well, that's a general question, right? And I said, well, who's in charge of this specific thing? And he said, hey, reach out to this guy. I'll tell him you're reaching out. And I said, great. Is it okay if I also reach out? I connected with this guy on LinkedIn, sent him a video, booked the meeting and had the meeting this week. So I think that referral strategy is great, or you go into, how are you doing that, right? You ask them, be curious. I think the problem we see on the phone too often is that people are so robotic, which is when I started out as an SDR, I was the most robotic, horrible person on the phones. And it's just having a conversation, keeping in the back of your mind what your product does, how you can help them in the front of your mind, keeping in, I'm just another human, having a conversation with a human.
0: So when, you, when you're asking for that referral, there are probably three different outcomes in that. The first is they'll send the email to the right person, which is ideal. The second is you send an email and you say like, hey, this person's on CC or I told you to or they told me to reach out. And then the third is like, hey, like, I, I'm not I'll tell you who it is, but. You know, I'm not going to actually going to go and going to go and refer you. So between the first one and the second one, right, having them send the email or having you send the email, do you think it's worth the time trying to get them to send it for you or do you prefer just for speed to send it yourself and put them on CC?
2: I prefer to send it myself. I would prefer to connect with someone and send them a quick video. That's just preference. I think people are hesitant to actually send those intros. So I think someone would say, yeah, 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 I'll send that intro. We'll never send it. So that's why I just usually take it into my own hands. I may say, Hey, would you mind telling me what their email is or asking for more information? But I'll obviously, if they say yes, you can tell them that you I was referred, then I'll call out their name in the title of the email. In general, people will accept my connection requests on LinkedIn. So I don't even have to do a title. It just says, Hey, I talked to whoever and I created a one minute video for you. Send them the video and book the meeting.
1: Kayla, we've gotten to the point of the show where we asked the final question and we've actually changed the final question. So you're on the spot here. The final question is this. We've talked about a lot of things that sales reps can do to be more successful at their jobs related to sales. And so my final question for you is what is one thing that you do outside of sales that you feel has a tremendous impact on your sales performance?
2: Lifting. So making sure that I get out of my headspace, I can reset, go lift, and making time to go lift or do whatever that activity is, whether it's a walk, whether it's yoga, whatever fits into your lifestyle, do something and set it on your calendar and say, hey, I'm going to do this however many days a week and go do it. So you need that time to reset. And that's the most important piece is stepping away from your work, it will always be there, coming back refreshed.
1: Boom. I love it. Anything you want to plug with the audience before we hop off?
2: If you're a sales leader, I'm doing sales enablement for teams around video messaging research. So send me a message.
0: All righty. Everybody send Kayla a message and everybody hang on for a 60 second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Go lift some weights. Goodbye. Rocket reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes.
1: Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go go get it and try it for free.
0: Your top four takeaways from this episode with Kayla Citron Thaler include number one, look at their LinkedIn profile. When you're starting that LinkedIn video, don't just wave your arms around like one of those crazy car dealership floaty thingies. Number two, don't put any notes inside of the connection request. The only way it's going to increase your chance of connecting is if you're hyper, hyper personalized. And that is very difficult to scale. Number three, time block everything. And that includes the amount of research you do, where you put your notes. And it certainly includes not spending 20 minutes on a LinkedIn video, three minute rule, max. Number four, use native LinkedIn videos with people that you've connected to who can see your face. They can see your profile. Kayla books 85% of her meetings through video. And the vast majority of those are through LinkedIn, not through cold email. Nick, how can people help us out? So If
1: you're new to the show and you haven't listened to some of our older episodes, we've got some killer content. My recommendation is go back and listen to the very first playbook episode around how Nick and Armand teach you to cold call. It's one of our most popular episodes. And once you've listened to that, I don't know, stick around for next week's show. Thanks for listening.